0: and one of the things about Enneagram that I absolutely love is it's a way to understand everyone's not like us and there's a really really deep running current inside most people that people are like them and they're not and when we can realize that with real hard evidence and real hard behaviors and for the first time we go you think that really I can't even imagine thinking that and it's not in a any way but a curious and and almost like, wow, I cannot believe for all of these years you felt this and thought this, when I was sure you felt what I feel and thought what I thought. That is breaks the whole thing open and really helps us get to a new place. Welcome to
1: Normalizing Non-Monogamy
2: Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy.
1: Welcome to the show. We're Finn and Emma, and today is episode two of season two of Focus Fridays.
2: Which means it's a Friday.
1: Woohoo! It's a Friday. Most likely. So, focus Fridays are topic-specific episodes that we release uh, occasionally that are different from our regular uh, interview-style podcast. I'd say. So today we have episode two, or I should say, part two of the Enneagram experience that we did with Kelsia. And if you haven't listened to part one from last Friday, we do encourage you to go listen to it. You you don't have to. You can listen to this, but it. It, it would make a lot more sense if you went back and gonna listened. You're going to
2: be confused as hell if you don't. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yes. Yeah, so that's to say you'll be very confused. So we highly encourage you, go back, listen to Last Fridays, and then come back and listen to this one.
2: I would do that. That's yes. exactly how I would do it. <laughs> this episode, we're going to dive into more about the um, sort of what happens when we get into stress states and when we're in like a calm state and how our personalities and how our approaches shift. And it's again, super eye-opening, super amazing conversation. So we're just, we're excited and grateful. Uh, to Kelsia for coming on and doing this.
1: Yes, this one is a little bit longer because Finn and I just keep talking with Kelsia. We keep thinking of examples and talking through things. So we hope you get a lot out of it. I know that we did. And a huge thank you again to Kelsia for doing this with us and for uh, coming on and just being such a val- valuable resource.
2: Yeah, we'd love to hear your feedback on this, how you enjoyed it, uh, what you thought of it. You can head over to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. You can click on the contact us page. You can send us a voicemail you can send us an email we listen to them all we read them all we respond to them all and while you're there you'll also find show notes for this episode and all of our episodes and within the show notes are links to any of the things that we talk about uh, any of the resources that calcia mentions or that we mentioned throughout this episode and there are links there to sign up and uh, join the enneagram experience that Kelsey does uh, as part of her coaching business
1: The Enneagram experience that Kelsey does is typing by email as well as detailed information about your type, your number, and then a 90-minute coaching session with her. And you can always schedule more coaching sessions with her to dive deeper if you want. So go check it out. She is a wonderful Enneagram coach as well as a relationship coach.
2: As well as a pretty wonderful human.
1: And an amazing human, yes. So use the links in the show notes to sign up. That lets Kelsey know that we sent you her way as well as supports the show. So thank you in advance for doing that. And with that, let's go talk to Kelsey, part two. Well, welcome to the show, Kelsey. We're excited to talk to you today. Welcome back. Yeah, I was going to say, welcome back. You're you're correct. Thanks for correcting me. I wasn't
2: correcting you. I was interjecting my own enthusiasm. There's a difference.
0: Uh, He was also correcting you because he can't help himself because you did it wrong. So, right. (laughs) We're jumping right in. Jumping right in. That's Enneagram one, 101 right there. Thank you for being a great example of your Enneagram number just right from the start. I appreciate that.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, that was uh, not scripted. <laughs> Apparently, that's just innate to who I am. So,
1: <laughs> Which we're going to learn more about.
2: Exciting. So Definitely we're here
1: to, here to talk more about the Enneagram. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And thank you guys for having me back and being curious and wanting more information about um, this tool. And so um, I appreciate that. And I've chosen something else a little different and a little deeper to talk about around the Enneagram with both of you today. But just to go back for people who may not have listened to the first episode, I, they'll get a lot more information if they do. But just a little bit of a recap. Um, the Enneagram is a motivation assessment tool. And so what that means is it's a way for us to get information that we can use in our lives and our relationships. And the Enneagram is wonderful because it helps us understand not just what we do, but why we do it. So that's that motivation piece. And when we understand why we behave a certain way, we can actually start to have choice around it because we can develop awareness around it. And when we can describe that and explain that, then we can loop people in to what's happening with us and we can share things about ourselves with people that were in relationship that help them love us more and understand us more, which is always a good thing in relationship. So it's really a great way to know yourself and have compassion for yourself and allow others to know you and have more compassion for you as well, which is why I really, really love it. And especially for relationship coaching. So um I really think the Enneagram is a great Learning, which is what we're going to do more of today. But I really want to make sure that people understand as we talk more about Enneagram in this podcast and in the last co- podcast that the Enneagram can't be used as an excuse for our behavior. So it's not a good idea to learn about the Enneagram and then when we are behaving badly to go, well, what do you expect from me? I'm a four. That's not a good idea. I don't want people to use that in that way. And also, as you learn about it with your partner, probably not the best relationship advice to say, you're being a real four right now. That's not going to go over really well either. So we don't want to use it as an excuse and we don't want to use it as a way to poke. What we do want to use it as a way to learn and also to make choices, which is really, really um, helping us to be in our most adult and our most healthy places. So what we're going to talk about today is a lot more around the behaviors that happen in our numbers and in ourselves. And then when we move in these places along the Enneagram lines. And the thing, another thing I really love about the Enneagram is it's not a static system. So a lot of personality assessments, um, a lot of typing type tests that you would take like Myers-Briggs or, you know, they are really static. It's, well, this is how you show up. And this is how you always show up. And good luck with that. Well, the Enneagram factors in the fact that we don't always show up the best way and we don't always show up the same way and that things happen in our environments. We get under a tremendous amount of stress or we get to a place that's really peaceful and our behaviors can change in those two places. And so that's the thing about the Enneagram is that it's movable. It's sort of a system that gives us a lot more data in a lot more places in our lives. So What we're going to talk about today is the fact that in our number, we can really exist in multiple states. In any one moment and in multiple times in an hour, you could go from being very healthy in your number to being very average in your number to being very unhealthy in your number and to being in what we call in Enneagram world in excess in your number. You're just too, too much of your number in that moment. And we really don't ever want to be too, too much of anything. So that's not really a place we want to live. And in Enneagram, we learn that normally our behaviors are pretty patterned. We kind of show up the same way all the time. It's just we, our brains like that. We like regularity. We like similarity. We like to know what to expect. Brains like routine. And behavior patterns are not really that much different than anything else in our lives. So we tend to show up the same way. With little variations here and there. Today, we're talking about when life happens. So the past 18 months, we've experienced a lot of stress over the earth. And that pandemic experience that we're all in is different. It's not normal. It's not the way that we just are used to. And so for a lot of people, we're showing up with different behaviors. We're in stress. And a lot of times people will come to me and they'll want to talk about something that's happened in their relationship and they'll use this phrase. I don't know what came over this person that I'm with. I don't know who this person was in that moment. And to me, as an Enneagram coach, I always know I bet they're in stress or they're, it may be in peace, but they're not acting like their normal pattern of behaviors. And the Enneagram teaches us that when we are in those states of stress or security, we have a place to go where we pick up behaviors that can either help us be better or sometimes help us just be worse. And really that is just learning those behaviors and choosing when we get there. So if everyone has um, looked in the show notes, there's a picture of the Enneagram, which is this diagram with nine numbers and all these crazy lines that connect these numbers together. And those lines are the lines we're talking about today. Those are the lines that connect your primary Enneagram number to the number that you would travel to in a stressful situation or travel to in a really calm, secure, peaceful place. Now, before we really start talking about those behaviors and what that looks like, you don't become the number that you travel to. You are your number. Most Enneagram teachers believe that your number is pretty Solid by the time you're five or six years old, and it doesn't change. So, when someone comes to me and they go, Yeah, I used to be a two and now I'm a seven, no, you're a two or a seven, but you didn't change. However, in periods where we need extra help or we're reaching for tools and skills and things to take care of us, we travel and we sort of borrow behaviors from other numbers. And those numbers are connected on these lines that you see on that diagram. And so what doesn't change about us and why our number doesn't change is the why. The thing about the Enneagram that's so special, it's about the motivation. Our fears, our desires, our longings, those things are the same. So that primary motivation for why we might behave in a different way does not change. But the way we show up kind of looks different. So we're going to talk about those two places that we go. And we're going to talk about each of those specifically for you, Emma, and you, Finn, because you guys are in front of me. And I really want to give you guys the most information about what that looks like for each other, how you can speak to each other in a more of a neutral way. Because when you see a behavior, you know, behaviors are seen. If I'm acting a certain way and behaving in a certain way, as someone who's my partner, they can look at me and see those behaviors, which means they can comment on those behaviors. Now, what they can't see is why I'm doing it. What they can't see is what I'm thinking or feeling around it. So if they stick to, hey, I'm noticing you X, Y, Z, there's a bridge there to come to me and ask if I need help, to ask if there's something that's going on with me without feeling like I'm being attacked, without feeling like I need to defend all the inside things happening to me. So That's another really great thing about Enneagram stress and security is it just gives you more things to notice and be curious about with your partner, which really helps us all to be good partners. So if you guys are ready, we'll start talking about you guys' moves.
2: Yeah, definitely excited for that. I think would it be possible, Kelsey, to talk and you and I and Emma discussed that we were going to start with me. Um, So I guess maybe talking about where i fall on it which is is a one and maybe like the baseline motivate like the why and like what a one looks like high level um mm-hmm. for anybody who doesn't who isn't necessarily familiar with that or maybe just needs a quick refresh
0: absolutely so finn you're a one on the enneagram which is our our perfectionist for lack of a more lovely way to call it but that's just really the truth and What it means is that you are always looking to perfect the things that you see in your environment. Ones come into a room and they see what could be better. Now, a lot of people hear that as they see what's wrong, but I really choose to look at it like they see what could be improved. They see how things could run better. They see how people could be happier, how they could be healthier, how they could be more fulfilled, and how systems and how things that are in that environment could be changed. And that's a great thing. We need ones in our lives. Nothing would ever improve without a one pushing and driving that ship. So, we love our ones and we need them desperately. They're our responsible people. They're the people that are always trying to protect what's right. And they're very sure about that and they're very convicted about what's correct in their brains. They tend to be black and white thinkers. They tend to, you know, it's very hard to correct if you're not sure what right looks like. And ones feel sure about what one, what right looks like. And so they're always working for that. They want to be good. They really, really want to have high integrity for themselves and with others. Um, And they're afraid of being wrong and being wrong, making them unredeemable. And that's a really scary place for ones. I always say that ones have a deal breaker and that deal breaker is you have to have this inner critic. Ones have a voice in their head that is very consistently pointing out flaws in themselves, in their environment, and then in others. And sometimes pointing out flaws in others sounds like criticism. So that can be a hard relational aspect for ones. But for ones, it's really about love. This could be better for you, and I love you, and I want what's best for you. That's how ones think. It just sounds different to other numbers that are not used to thinking in that way. So it's difficult sometimes for ones to love others and not come across as critical, and that can be a work for ones. So that's really an overview of ones, um, And that kind of catches you up to where you are in your base state. So all of those things are the healthy ways one show up. One show up in companies ready to be change agents, ready to right wrongs. They show up in um, social situations and in health situations that way too. So, you know, one running a nonprofit that's going to be fantastic because they are really going to be passionate about getting it right and righting any wrong that they see in a social situation or in some sort of community thing. So when ones are healthy, they're able to do a lot and they're able to really just be those change agents that we need in our lives. When one's in their own number, now you're still in your oneness in this place, but when they're not so healthy, They tend to have unrealistically high standards for everyone, themselves included, and no one's going to meet them. So there's a lot of resentment and a lot of anger about that. They also have a lot of controlling behaviors that they demonstrate when they're in an unhealthy place because that critic gets louder. So the more unhealthy a one is, the more stressed, the more pressure that's on a one, it gets louder and louder and louder in their head. And that can really, really cause a lot of stress in their body. It can cause a lot of stress in their relationships because everything they're doing is, try- is trying to make that critic be quiet. So you're going to see a lot of strong feelings in a one when they're unhealthy and when they're in a bad place. Um, and they're just going to struggle with patience. They're going to struggle with loving communication because, again, they need to get stuff done to get this voice to be quiet. So that's pretty much a one staying in their oneness, good and bad. So let's talk about the move that the one is going to do, Finn, when you're in stress. So let's talk about stress for just a minute. I want to make sure that people that are listening understand when we talk about stress, that doesn't mean bad. Some people are at their best in a stressful situation. They shine. They excel when the pressure is on. So when I say this is a move in stress, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're floundering or you're drowning. It means that something is happening that is more pressure. Um, it's not necessarily sitting on the beach with a cold drink. There's something going on in your life that's causing you to have to act, you need to move, you needing to do something to rectify it or to change it um, or just to experience it and survive. So that's stress. Just like we're going to talk about being in a secure place or a peaceful place, that doesn't mean it's good. A lot of people languish when there's no pressure. A lot of people are not their best when there's nothing happening and they can just sit back and relax. They're not going to excel in that place. So I want to make sure that the people that are listening and you guys understand, it's not good and bad. It just is. And so in each place, you can do well or you can do poorly. Depending on yourself and your choices, and then just what's happening. So it's really important as we talk about these moods.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you for clarifying that. I think it's helpful. Helpful. It's important to have that clarification because it's easy yeah. to go stress equals bad.
0: And so, thank right. you for doing that. Right. Right. No. And I mean, I'm and Emma, you. We're going to talk about our numbers because we share a number. We do better, and we can swim in stress. And we can get some stuff done in that place where if we're just in our numbers, we may not be that motivated to really excel and achieve. So a nine that's insecure, I mean, that's in stress, they can really make some things happen and they can really get some things done. So it's not bad or good, it just is. And so we just really wanna make sure we understand the neutrality of what happens to us usually is beyond our control and we just accept it. What we do about it is where we get to actually be the change agents and the deciders, which is really important. Mm -hmm. So then for you, in a stressed situation, you are going to travel along your Enneagram line to four. And four is our romantic. And in that place, that's a lot of feeling energy. That's a lot of longing. That's a lot of dreaming. That's a lot of creativity. So in stress, and like I said, I use the language sink or swim. And I like this because a lot of people use, you know, high side and low side, or they use behaving badly and behaving better. I like sink or swim because for me, when you go to the four in stress and you want to take the power that's in those behaviors and make things better for you or for others, you swim. That's effort. You're choosing. You're doing it with all you have. And you're going to that number and you're saying, there's strength here that I'm going to use for me and for the people I love, to make things better in this stressful place. Sinking, there's no effort. So you're sort of spiraling in your number and so you travel to four and you just keep on sinking down. You take on the behaviors of four that maybe aren't the best behaviors in that number and you just kind of double down on, I'm not doing so well and so I'll just not do so well with some new behaviors. And so that's the sink or swim idea. So each time we talk about the moves, we're going to talk about how we can do it and swim and how we can do it and sink. And something else we're going to add at the beginning is these are going to be behaviors that we don't have a lot of practice in. So we've got to be conscious about them, especially if we're choosing to swim. They're going to be new and we, we're not really that familiar with them. So they're going to feel a little awkward, but there's a lot of great value in that place. So these are going to be new things that we can add sort of to our toolbox, especially when we're deciding to swim, that can really be powerful and can really help us in these places. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about for mood When you go to four and you're sinking, let's start there. You're going to withdraw. You're going to get kind of moody. You're going to feel like you are very misunderstood and no one understands where you are and what you're facing and the burden on you. And you're going to feel very isolated in that place, and you're going to start to do a lot of four-type languaging, which is if only. When ones travel to four and they are sinking, they idealize this perfect that they're never going to get, and it becomes, well, if only this would happen, if only things would change, if only this person would do this, and you get really stuck on this uncontrollable, because you can't make it happen, so it's unrealistic, place. It can also happen a little bit about past. You sort of idolize something that was, you know, um, I've seen a lot of ones in the pandemic that, that are kind of sinking in four. Well, if we could only go back in time to before the pandemic, everything would be fine. If only we could just get rid of this and we never had to go through this, everything would be fine. And there's not really anything to do with if only. I can't make it happen. So it's just kind of a sinking, yucky feeling. And so what it looks like for fours when we get to that place Is a difference between a happy, healthy four in sadness and in melancholy, which is that word we used when we talked on the last podcast about how fours live. Fours live in a melancholy state and they like it. It's pensive, it's reflective, it's dreamy, it's sort of a longing that helps them to feel the way they feel creatively. And it's sort of a reach longing that's like, there's this place I'm going to get to. And it's really sort of a safe home place for them. When a one is in that four energy, melancholy is depression. It's not a safe place. It's not home. And it can quickly grow from just sadness to a really scary, sad place or really scary, dangerous place of being depressed. And so it's important for someone that's in relationship with a one when you start to see your one stop doing things, then it's it's time to, to speak to them in that um, and to use this language maybe to help because what we don't need is a one who stops wanting to improve things. That's going to make our world stop spinning. We've got, we need ones and we need ones to be healthy. And when they come to this unhealthy place and they pick up that poor behavior of, well, I'm just going to be sad and there's nothing I can do about it, that's not a good place. So that's really what it looks like when a one travels there and they sink. Let's flip it. And when a one decides to go to four in stress and they swim, there's such great richness that they can borrow from that four. And where they really shine is they tap into their creativity. A one that's going to go to four and they're going to take on those behaviors to swim in stress is going to tap into all of the passion and the creativity that's inside of them, and they're going to get inspired. And there's not going to be a clear right way to do it. You know, creativity is hard. What's right in an art exhibit? What's right about a music composition? It's creative, and it's it's kind of being developed as you go. And it's really hard to know. Well, this is right. It's free for them. And ones aren't really great in that. But when they travel to four in a stressful period, they can come up with solutions and ideas and be inspired in a way that they can't really do in their own number. And that's a beautiful thing for ones to get to experience. They also can feel deep feelings. And there's not really a lot of get-or-done energy in deep feelings. So if a one goes to four in a stressful period and they start to swim, they can tap into some of these really deep, hard emotions and figure out what they are trying to tell them and what they can learn from that emotional state And that's beautiful. And it's really powerful for relationships if they can get there and feel their feelings and then learn to express them to their partner. That's a gift. And you're not going to get that all the time when ones, even when they're healthy. But man, in a stressful period, if they go to that four place, they're going to feel some stuff. And there's a lot of richness and deep feelings. And there's a lot of things to be learned there. So that's a really, really great thing. It also allows the one to love on themselves a little bit to kind of take care of themselves. Um, The inner critic doesn't like emotions. That's really hard to correct. So it's sort of a foreign place for the critic and it sort of shuts them up because they don't really know how to tell you to be happy better or be anxious better. There's not really a scale for that and they don't like that. So they kind of shut up and that can be a really a good place for a four when things are stressful. If you can silence that critic by feeling your feelings, great. So, we really love to see that when we have a one that travels there and they excel. So, those are the movements in a stressful period for you as a one. How's that land on you?
2: I don't know, Emma. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> have I ever done any of those
1: things? <laughs> uh, yeah. No comment. Yeah. I <laughs> um, yeah. To, can uh, well, people- Conversations for you guys later. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. I would like to hear from your perspective. No,
2: it is. It's quite accurate. I think. Um, and what's interesting is I find sometimes that I bounce between the like good for, bad for, the sink or swim. Like sometimes, you know, multiple times in an hour, multiple times in a day, even like mm-hmm. in a day and even in an hour, like. Um, so yeah, and I also sometimes feel like I can almost be doing both of them at the same time sometimes Mm -hmm. and where like overall I might be in the place, the, 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 the sinking side. And I think for me, so what that kind of tends to look like is, um, almost like a defeatist attitude, like doesn't matter what I do because Like I can't fix it and I've tried and I've done all of the things I know. And so like, I'm just sort of, I'm out. Like I just, I run out and I say like, there's literally nothing I can do here anymore. And so like, and then I get, yeah, it drags me down even further because I, like the situation still exists and at the same time I feel helpless in it. And so like, I, I tend to try to just like block it out because i'm sitting in an uncomfortable situation that i'm helpless in and and that doesn't really that's not a fun place to be um, no. so i know we we talked about maybe some examples and it, the, the the i had a, a thought on this just while we were talking or while you were talking about like a work example of this one of one of my jobs i had um yeah the the first of all the pervasive like being in a work environment and constantly trying to improve things that like baseline for me is a one is something that I have done all the time. And in a lot of ways that has like helped me excel in my jobs. However, I have also come up against people who are, let's say getting close to retiring and they don't want to rock the boat because their Mm -hmm. goal is like, I want to survive another two years and be out of here. And that's what, that's their mission. Their, their current work mission is like survive for another two years. And my work mission has never been like survive. It's been like, if I'm going to work here, I'm going to make this a better place to work. And so I have at times sort of butted up against these people. Cause a lot of times they're working above me. And so I'm trying to like improve things and they're almost trying to like tamp that same thing down because yeah, it might make things better, but it also might destabilize the system and that's not worth the risk to them. Right. And yeah. so I had this happen in a pretty big way at one of my jobs. And I basically had pushed for some things to change. Um, and this person was really resistant to them and basically pulled me into like the CEO's office to like air it out. And I basically left that meeting like, well, like there is nothing I can do here. Um, and so I ended up actually just quitting the job because mm-hmm. I was like, the, this is not a place where I'm ever going to thrive at this point. Cause my, my manager wants nothing to do with improvement and change. He wants be good enough so I can survive.
1: Right.
2: And, and so we, I was basically like, yeah, this is, I'm never going to. So you I'm went never to the
1: defeatist.
2: Gonna, yeah, it was, it was, it was defeatist, but I, I think it also was like, I have to change it. And like, there was a piece that I can control and I went for the piece I could control. And that was, I'm just not going to work here. Yeah. It's like say
1: like whether you you can control your presence there.
2: Right. Yeah. So I, I went after the one thing I could control. Um, so yeah, I, I get that. But I also like, you know, on the relationship side, yeah, there's a lot that I'm learning that I don't control and being able to give that control up is difficult but also yeah it, it sometimes leaves me in a place of i still try i try and try and try and then i'm like yeah what am i doing i'm like i'm i hate the word the, the phrase pissing in the wind but yeah like you're i'm i'm pushing the boulder uphill for i can't control this and so mm-hmm. it leaves me often in like yeah a defeated shutdown state um and one of the things you said to us off off recording was th- this like um You almost go to like a a self pity place. Like, well, why I'm always the one picking up the slack. I'm always the one doing this. I'm always the one like, why can't you help me? And that's a conversation that Emma and I have on repeat. And it's what happens is like for a long stretch of time, I'm, I'm totally happy to take on everything.
0: Right. you,
1: You feel like you're taking on everything.
2: Right. And so, like, but I I I like sort of run to it. Like, oh, I'll do the dishes, I'll do the laundry, I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll take care of everything I can. And then it gets to a point where maybe it becomes too much or something kind of goes like tips the scale. And then I then I turn it around and use it. Like, well, I'm doing everything. Why can't you just do this one thing? Or why can't you just like I'm taking literally everything off of your plate, whoever you is. And
1: from your perspective, right? That's because yeah, then I push back and be like, well, hang on this, 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 this are all things I've taken care of. But yet this one thing that it, we, that he needs help with or whatever is not getting done. And that becomes a sticking point. And, but sorry, I interrupted you. It, yeah.
2: So it's, you know, and I've read some other books on this sort of thing. And I, the one I read was, um, no more mr nice guy and Mm
0: -hmm.
2: like there's a there's a point in there where they kind of talk about like people tend to do this to like build up i don't know goodwill so then they can like use it against people like they they're okay doing it but then like they want to use it and like I don't do it for that reason, or at least I don't feel like I do it for that reason. I do it because like I enjoy it. I enjoy making the thing better. I enjoy taking on the challenge.
1: I would agree with that.
2: And and then it but then it gets to a point where like I needed help with like one thing. I felt like for me it was like I just need one thing and I can't get that one thing. And so then I shut down and I'm like, fine, I just like I have to do it all and I can't do it all and now I'm just gonna do nothing. Right. And and that's a shitty approach like for myself and it's shitty for Emma and anybody else that I'm interacting with at that time so
1: yeah because it's easy I I think it's it's easy for you when you you want to help you want to take things on you want to do every you know quote-unquote everything it's hard for you to ask for help and so you take it all on and no matter, you know, it doesn't matter what I'm doing or what, whoever you're interacting with, you feel like you're taking it all on. And it almost gets to a breaking point. Um, when that one, whatever one thing is the thing that isn't getting done. And it's like, well, hang on, how about all the other things that have happened and all the other things that have been, that have been done and we've been working together on. And it's like, none of that matters anymore. Like right. what matters is that, I've done X, Y, and Z, and this one thing, this other thing is not getting done. So why not? And it's hard to explain, but (laughs) hopefully that makes sense.
0: It does. It does. And I think that we need to go back to the podcast we recorded first, or we talked more in depth about the numbers and talk about how ones relate to anger. You know, ones are in the anger triad. And for ones, we don't express our anger well. We feel it. Nines don't feel anger eights feel it and express it well. Ones feel it, but they're not going to express it. And what happens when we have a feeling that we don't express is not that it magically goes away, but usually it doubles down. And how that shows up is resentment and passive aggressiveness, and eventually a blow up. I asked you to do one thing where normally that would not put you to the level of losing it, but it, it builds and it builds and it builds. And ones tend to do everything because they know what's right. So it's hard for a one, you know, it's hard for Finn to tell you, Emma, the way he wants things done exactly the way he wants them. It's easy for him to just do them. And what happens is that just becomes too much. And especially in stress, it becomes too much. So we lose our tops. We say things we don't want to, and then we have to deal with the aftermath of that. And that's tough. Another thing I'll say that's really important about Enneagram is Enneagram really enforces this idea that we cannot change how we see. We can change how we behave. So the way you see everything that you're doing versus what someone else is doing really doesn't change. Instead, the way we choose to react, respond, and behave in that is what we get to make choice around. So you're always going to tend to see things the way you see them. And for someone to come in and try to change that, it's going to be a losing battle every time. Instead, if you can understand how your partner sees things, and then you can blend, you can more express the way you see things, and you guys can be curious about that, and then you can learn about it, and then you can grow from there, and you can make, you know, you create language around it, you can create some gates that protect you before it gets to a level 10 meltdown. All of those things are going to help. but Changing how you see them and changing how you see Emma, that's probably not going to work. So we don't try to do that. We just try to notice you seem to be seeing it this way and I'm not. And I want to remind you, I'm not you. And one of the things about Enneagram that I absolutely love is it's a way to understand everyone's not like us. And there's a really, really deep running current inside most people that people are like them and they're not. And when we can realize that with real hard evidence and real hard behaviors, and for the first time we go, "You think that? Really?" I can't even imagine thinking that. And it's not in a any way but a curious. and and almost like, "Wow, I cannot believe for all of these years you felt this and thought this when I was sure you felt what I feel and thought what I thought, that is breaks the whole thing open and really helps us get to a new place. So, that's a huge thing about Enneagram. That's really, really helpful. Is to understand that you don't see the way I see, and I can't change that. So what do I do?
2: Yeah, I think that was one of the the takeaways from the last time we talked, and mm-hmm. I and I told, I shared, uh, I shared this with you or with or with Catherine, I think, and she shared it with you that that our our discussion on the Enneagram the first time. I think my phrase was that really fucked me up for a little while and and you and i laughed about that over over dinner a couple weeks ago and like it that was one of the realizations that and it was and it's also then it's like a huge frustration for me that like yeah that there that other people aren't seeing the world as like all this shit is wrong and it could be better and like people just from my perspective, like people just don't care. And I'm just like, Mm -hmm. God damn it. I wish I could just not care like these people who don't care about anything. And, and what's interesting in the, the, on the stress side of this, when I feel like I'm doing, handling the stress well, I can go there and I can do that. Like, Oh, well that's good enough. Like, Mm -hmm. which is something that's really hard for me to, say and feel Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. I can say it even sometimes when I say it, I don't actually feel it. I'm just saying Mm -hmm. it to make somebody else feel good. (laughs) But like for me to actually feel it, like I can get there. But like to your point of like, yeah, I don't, or Emma's like, I don't let people do things for me. I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't accept help very well because exactly what you said, I it's, it's more stressful for me to have somebody helping me and me like, critiquing what they're doing along the way, like, well, just get out of the way and I'll do it myself. Cause like then it'll be done right. And if it's not done right, it's on me and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna point it out to you and make you feel like shit. So like I don't want to do that either. I'd rather be the one who's wrong. Yeah. But on the like if we're in a high stress situation where I'm and I'm thinking like maybe it's a project or or putting something on and there's a whole bunch of people running around and I'm sort of like directing it or managing it in some case, like I can easily get to a place of like, yeah, you know what? That's good enough. It'll work. We'll find a solution and it won't be perfect, but it'll be good enough. We'll, we'll have a good time with it okay. and I can get there, but it, it is when, when things are calm, it's way easier for me to be like, well, Hey, we can spend extra time making this perfect. And um, yeah, it's oh, go ahead.
1: No, I just thought of an example of, uh of something that we do, like, we've learned that we have to sometimes do, like, do things separately. An example being packing the car. Both of us are, are perfectly capable and good at packing the car. Packing the car, see, packing, packing the car together, not so great. Because every time, like, I have my systems and the way my brain works and goes and puts things in and not, it's not wrong. It's my way of doing it. But to Finn, he's like, hang on, that's not the way it's supposed to be, quote unquote, supposed to be. And so... Either usually you pack the car or I pack the car. We don't generally do it together because there's not, there's not anything that I'm doing wrong. It's just my brain thinks differently. And what we realize is when, if we're trying to do something like that, that we're seeing something so differently, it's just not, it's not worth it to, we would end up arguing over something right. so simple um
2: Excellent. which is an interesting example and i was just thinking about it so like there's a few things that happen when we pack the car and it's, and it's, i think it's a good example we travel
1: a lot so we pack the car a lot <laughs> right
2: so there's a there's a few conversations that happen during this which one is like i'll pack the car or you'll pack the car and yeah. i will get frustrated if she's packing the car and then she's like oh well what do you think about this i'm like hey if you're packing the car, you pack the car. Don't drag me into it. Cause if you drag me into it, I'm going to start being an asshole and I don't want to be. So like you pack the car and then if it gets, when she's done packing it and I can like look at it and be like, well, that's not how I would have done it, but it's all in there and right. we'll be fine. And right. usually that's good. Now what can happen is you get to where you're going and you open the door and something falls out. And then it's like, well, hey, now, if you'd have done it a different way, like let's maybe do it differently next time. And then I then I flip into that like I'm an ass mode of like, here's all the ways you could have packed the car better. But that's sure. only if something goes
0: wrong. That's quote, a stre- unquote, if there's wrong. a stressor. If there's yeah. a stressor, right? <laughs> if you need to criticize, right? And that's really just a perfect example of if you're in a relationship with a one, or if you work really closely with a one, and you're not a one. Doing things together is probably not the best way to do it, especially things that for the one, there's a right way to do. So again, we talked about this last time. The dishwasher is a great example. I would never load a dishwasher with a one. They're going to let you do it because it's done and done is, is a checkbox. So for a one, if it's done, okay, great. I can leave that. But if it's in process and you're doing it wrong, because again, there's right and wrong for ones. It's very clear they're not going to be okay. Like they can't just watch you do it. It, it, You know, they can let you do it. That's different than watching you do it. So highly suggest activities that there could be a definite right way. Either you do it or let the one do it, but don't try to do it together because it probably is going to cause conflict. And again, when you know that, you don't set yourself up to fail. You go, oh, you know what? We're really great at this and this and this, but we're not so great in this. Let's not do that and you can also hear if the one thing falls out of the truck or the trunk when you guys get there and Finn says, well if you've done it this way it wouldn't have happened that's not criticism it's love i'm trying to show you because i care about you and i want you to feel like you can get this right because that's so important to me to get it right and so you sort of can let the asshole go as Finn said you can let that part go because that's the color on it For uh, one, it's black and white. Look, nothing falls out if you do it like this. And I don't want things to fall out and you don't either. And I love you. And so I want to teach you this. That's what's being expressed. Not, you idiot, you should have done it this way, which is what we hear when we're not ones. Again, don't change how he sees. Learn how he sees. And then it doesn't hit us as hard and it doesn't hurt us as much.
1: Yeah. And I've, I've learned to be better about not getting defensive in that moment. Like I am not perfect, but I, if he says things like that, then I often be like, okay, well next time. But like, I just, I try to take it as the, um, with the love that he's intending it to be, uh, not always great at it. But what we've learned is that we can be a great team if like, so if he's, if he's packing the car, okay, I'll get the house ready. I'll clean the kitchen or whatever, like we need to do before we leave. And so, and vice versa. And for when we do that, we can be a really good team, but it's when we both try, Hey, I'm going to both try to pack the car at the same time. Okay. That doesn't go so well, but we can find other ways to be a really good team. Absolutely. Absolutely. Would you agree? Yeah. Are you thinking
0: of more examples?
2: So many examples.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's endless examples, which is great. And it's the fun thing is when you guys take this information and you run into them in your lives, you now have, oh, it's like a awareness, you know, it, and, and that's the whole point. You know, this happens when we do this. I wonder if it's because this. And again, I love the fact that Enneagram gives us a way to take the personalness away from our partner's behavior, because that's what hurts us. You know, I tell people all the time, if I can have a conversation with you and then right at the beginning, it's not about me, I can come into that, that conversation with so much more empathy, understanding, curiosity, because guess what? My ego has said, oh, I'm out here. And that's how it is. If them takes things away, it takes ego away. This is not about me. You're not reacting to me. This is just you and this is your behavior type and this is how you see things and that's a lot less personal and it allows us to do that work that you just said Emma. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about when things are good for you then. When a 1 is in a secure place, a peaceful place, when things are really going well. You take a trip on the line to 7. And 7 is our enthusiast. 7 is our fun number. 7 is our life is life of the party and footloose and fancy free number on the Enneagram. And so when you go there, I'm going to tell you one thing about ones. Ones truly go to a peaceful place most often when they are not at home because when a one is away from home, there's nothing that they are responsible for in that environment. So they they may go on vacation and they're not staying at their home. Um, so they're at a friend's home or they're in a hotel. Well, It's not their responsibility to make it right. It's not their responsibility to have it be correct. So they can let that go. There's no expectation of them to do that. And so that's really a one-time shot for ones where there's no responsibility. And so that's a real gift for a one to tap into the seven is this place where they're not at home and they're not responsible. And so when Finn travels to one and it's, let's do swimming first. It's a good thing. It's a positive thing. And they're going to tap into all this stuff that can happen in this peace and in this secure environment. They're going to, you're going to get a lot of optimism. You're going to when get- you're, a, when, when you're one, in the seven, right? When you're in the seven, right. When you're taking on the energy of that seven, you're going to tap into, because remember, you're borrowing the behaviors. You're borrowing the attributes of the seven. And sevens are optimists. Sevens are enthusiastic about everything. And so a one gets really enthusiastic about life, about what's happening, about what they're facing, about what's in front of them. They can tap into that enthusiasm that they don't normally have on a day-to-day basis. They also aren't so hard on themselves or others. So they've let go of some of that need to improve. They've let go of some of those standards that they normally bring to things and they can kind of let that go. And in that place, they're more accepting. They're more able to do what Finn said about This is good enough. This just is. And that's okay. They can really kind of get into that place. They're also more spontaneous in a seven because they're not trying to plan things for them to be well done or right. They're just kind of go with the flow and they're taking a lot of that seven energy on. And another thing that they can do is I think that ones can really experience peace when they borrow this energy from a seven because what ones are normally looking for is order for things to be the way they should be. And when you, that's not peace. That's a system. That's a process. That's a way. And peace is a different feeling. And so I think when ones travel to this place on at the seven, they really can get a sense of peace. And that's different for ones. It's quiet. It's just a good place. And they have to work to do that. They have to reach for those behaviors because they're not their normal ones. Now, when they go to seven and they sink, so things are going well and I sort of turn off my oneness and I'm not trying to improve because there's nothing to improve or I'm not trying to, to get it right because there's really nothing to get right, we can also sink in that place. And what that looks like is ones can get kind of self-centered and they can get kind of demanding and they sort of want a lot when they don't normally want a lot from others like we just talked about. They're not normally going to ask for a lot of stuff from another person. But when they're in this place where they're barely not doing so well in this peaceful place, they start to get kind of demanding. They start to kind of ask for more than they normally do. They get too laid back and they lose that focus that, again, we talked about is so important. We need ones to show up and show up well and show up in a good way that makes things better. And they sort of just don't do that. And they can kind of get childish where they're just sort of flippant and they're not responsible and they sort of are doing things and making decisions that they normally wouldn't because that sense of good and bad is sort of not really engaged. And one thing that ones do when they are in this place is they can be tempted by pleasures that they haven't practiced. So a lot of ones, um, that I've spoken to and that I've read about are, are tend to be very rigid in, um, how they use substances in their normal lives. And ones when they are in a really peaceful place can be tempted to drink when they don't normally drink or to use drugs when they don't normally use them for recreational purposes. And while that's great and it can be a wonderful thing, it can also be too much. And again, they're not really that practiced with being out of control. And so it can be a place where they sort of don't make good decisions, where they can sort of get too much into it, and they're just not really sure... How to live in that place. And then they can sometimes regret things that happen in that place and regret's not a good place for a one either because when the critic comes back online and we're no longer in this peaceful place because we don't stay there forever. Well, now he or she's got a list of things that they need to really take you to task about. And that's not really a good place for ones to go. So when things are good, we want to be aware when we're sinking even in the good. So again, going back to what we talked about, just because things are going well doesn't mean we're behaving well. So we want to be able to pay attention to behaviors that maybe aren't like us and maybe aren't for our own good, even in a place where things seem to be going well. And we're just not are at our best in those places. So that's really what it looks like when ones go to seven.
2: Yeah. And I I appreciate that. I think it's interesting when you were talking through like, um, like going on vacation because So for me, there's, there's what I was thinking about. What, what gets me to be the seven is actually similar to packing the car, which is if, if I'm not involved in the planning, like if I can, if I'm allowed to take a complete passive approach, Mm -hmm. I don't have to do anything. I can let that go. But even on vacation, if, if I have, planned part of the vacation if i've picked where we go where we went where we're at the 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 hotel the airbnb i i spend my whole time worried that the place i picked is not good enough and Mm -hmm. what was wrong with it and how could it have been better on the flip side if i'm just completely along for the ride and and it's really like what i will often do and you emma you've probably seen this like I will actively take myself out of any planning. Like I won't even like people will be on like a group chat, planning, 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 and I will be like a ghost. I'm not even Mm -hmm. there because I know if I get involved, I'm going to get involved in a way that's not fun for anybody. And then I'm going to spend the whole trip having no fun because I am worried that I picked a thing that nobody else wants to be doing. And it's not as fun as it was supposed to be. And it could have been way better if I'd only done it this, that, or the other way. But at the same time, if I'm not, if I'm not involved in it, I can sit back and be like, oh, well, look, the bus is two hours late. I don't really care. Oh, look, we were supposed to go do this and it's closed and now it's raining and it's no fun. I don't really care. Like, I don't, it doesn't bother me if I had nothing to do with it. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. even, even where I can be like, oh, well, yeah, we could have done this, 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 and this better. I don't even go to that place. I'm just like, "Mm, you know what? You did your best. And we're on vacation and we're having a good time and I don't care if it's rainy or sunny or the bus is late or the whatever. Right. But if I'm involved in the planning, even a tiny bit, then I like, I can't go there. Yeah. I, I fall completely off and I take, and I take all of the responsibility. Yeah. Um, Even if I wasn't part of that little piece of it, like, well, we're, it's clearly my fault somehow. Right. Um, Yeah. So that, that sort of, how that works. And oh. Emma's laughing and nodding.
1: Yeah. Cause that's so true.
0: <laughs> all of what you just what, described. Yeah. What you're seeing there is also, again, we're always our number, even in all of these places. So ones are black and white. So if I'm in it an inch, I'm in it a mile for a one. There's no, I kind of helped. Nope. It's mine or it's not mine. And so that oneness is going to be with you even in vacation, even in a peaceful thing. So if you have nothing to do with it, you're out. So you don't have any impact on the decisions and you don't have any impact on the outcome. So you can be free. And again, in a peaceful place, that not that judgment goes away. So you're easier on people. So if they mess the whole thing up and you know they tried their best, you're like, no big deal. But if you had a part in it, you can, it's harder to be that place. It's harder to be that person. So for four ones, again, you're in or you're out. And when you're out, then you're not going to be judging others when you're in that peaceful place. Now, in stress, you're still going to be judging others because that's still going to be like, well, this is a big shit show and it's your fault. You could have done it this way. And so this only really works when the stakes aren't that high, when you're at a place of rest and when, you know, you can kind of access that energy. But again, wherever you go, there you are. So you're still a one. You're still going to be, if I'm in it, I'm in it but if I'm not I'm not and so that black and white thinking that it travels with you you bring all of you with you when you travel and you bring all of you, all of you with you when you travel to so the different numbers on the enneagram too. So
2: Yeah, and it's and it's a tricky one for me because I think it's it's int- probably confusing for people where I don't want them to help me. I want to do it all. But then I'll go to this place of like yeah, I don't want anything to do with it. Like I don't I don't even want to hear about the plan you're making, because I, I will get involved and then we're all going to have no fun. And, and wow. I don't want that. So yeah, yeah mm-hmm. it's, it's a weird thing. And we, we just went through this
1: <laughs> last a, weekend,
2: well, last weekend, but also a couple of weeks ago, we spent a week in Florida with, with two, two, uh, with, with four other friends. And like, we were, there was a lot of logistics happening and I basically just stepped out and I was like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm here for the ride. Right. And I, and I felt bad a lot of the time. Cause I'm like, I'm not helping, but in a way I am helping because this is probably going a lot smoother without me helping. Um, so I'm just going to like chill on the sidelines and do yeah. that. And, and I did it really well there mm-hmm. this past weekend. What happened was I was, You're... I was sort of involved. Like right. I made some suggestions mm-hmm. and it wasn't, it was not that it was a bad trip, but like we wound up in a place let's just say in a part of the country where most people don't vacation (laughs) and it really wasn't like that beautiful of a, it wasn't even close to beautiful of a place. And so like it was, and like the Airbnb was like, it was fine, but it wasn't perfect. And it was, and so, and it's like, I had some role in all of it. And so I, you know, Thursday night when we got there,
1: you I'm, felt terrible.
2: I, yeah. I and mean, then I went to the grocery store and I spent the whole time angry at myself for mm-hmm. the location, the Airbnb, the drive, every, every single aspect of the trip was my fault. Right. The pieces that weren't good.
1: And where I was like, well, you know, it could be better, but we're here. Let's make the most out of it. Sure.
0: Yeah. But yep. When you're in an inch, you're in a mile. Same yeah. thing. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. And I'm, like, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. What I was going to say is a gift to people that you're in a relationship with and a gift they can give to you. Is that what you just said? Hey, I'm going to take myself out of this planning because if I'm in it a little bit, then I'm going to take responsibility for all of it. And that probably won't be good for everybody involved. And so I'm sharing this with you. I'm explaining how I see. I'm explaining what's happening for me in words that you are gaining. And then they go... Well, yeah, we don't want you to have any responsibility. Just sit back. We got it. And then you have permission from them to sit back and enjoy it. And they understand that you're just sitting back to enjoy it, to make it better for you and them. So it's a win-win. But we get language to explain ourselves and how we see and what's happening with us to them. And again, learning this, if I'm in an inch, then I might as well be in it a mile because I'm going to take the mile's worth responsibility. I'm not gonna just go, well I only did a little bit. Nope. I did all of it, even when we didn't. Because that's how one's that's how one sees. So you can't change that. But you can change the choices and you can change the way that you're showing up and then how you're explaining how you show up to other people. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. And that that makes sense. And I I will just touch because I know we've already gone an hour and we still have to deal with Emma. (laughs) But uh, on the good side of the seven or not on the good side, on the, I guess on the swimming side, the sink side, right. Where I you you reference like substance abuse and, and I don't, that's not a place I, I go there. What I like the example I could think of was really around money. And so Mm -hmm. like, I have a, I have not a great relationship with money. So like, I will not spend it. I will get annoyed about every single penny, mm-hmm. but I also can get to a place and I and I have been better about not being like that. But what that then happens as I'm like, sure, buy that. Sure, we can go do that. Sure, we can do this. And, yeah. then, and then I look back at the end of the month and then I have the end of the month meltdown with Emma and I'm like, we can't keep spending money. We can't keep doing this. We can't do that. We can't do this. And yeah, the critic catches up at the end of the month when I like, when I plug back into reality and I'm like, shit, like we, we spent this much and we only made this much. Like we can't keep doing that. And, but in the moment, if I'm, if I'm in a a place where I'm feeling good, like it's easy for me to let that go and let it maybe get away from me a little
0: bit. Right. Right. And let's add just a few things to that substance talk. When we talk about going to that seven, I would add that anything that can kind of be, um, a really feel-good, um, almost like a numbing type thing where it's just like, you know, when, when you're spending money, it's sort of like you've sort of had this like, you know, I don't know, like great Gatsby feeling about you. Like, yeah, buy that, yeah, buy that, drinks on me. It's sort of like a, it's, it's not your real normal self. You sort of take on this thing where it feels really good to do that. And I would also say, so maybe that would be around, you know, drinks and and drugs. It could definitely be around money. It could also be around relationships, especially sexual relationships and food. So all of those things, we want to kind of lump into that where probably a one is really measured about their spending, about their relationships, about their food intake. You know, things like that where there's a right and wrong and they try to do it right every day. When they're in the seven and a sinking place, they're going to throw a lot out the window. And so they're going to have fun now and pay later. And it's around those type of activities. All of those things can be lumped into a glass of wine. would might be for one person where a take would be it for someone else. Whether, you know, going to the bar and sleeping with three people would be for somebody else. So, Or spending way more money than they should would be someone else. So those behaviors, those kind of feel good now, maybe pay later, that's really what we're talking about. That enthusiastic zest for life and you pick the category that feels most like you around that. You
2: shouldn't have brought up food.
1: I know, I know. That's what I was laughing at, too. <laughs> I'm,
2: uh, I hadn't even thought about it. That's a
1: great example. I am
2: the worst about that with food it's
1: you put a bag of pretzels in front of him and he'll eat the whole thing now if i we don't have pretzels in the house he doesn't even want them he's measured about it but if like snack food yeah like
2: you're eating healthy that's one of those things oh that's the same there is a right way for me there is a right way and a wrong way and i know when i'm doing it right and i feel really good and what will happen is after Some amount of days or a week or two of exercising right and eating right. I'm like, oh, well, it's no big deal to have a couple of pretzels. And then the whole bag's gone. And then I'm like, ah, I'm the worst. And then I go back and I don't eat anything bad for another two weeks because I, all I feel is the, the pretzel bag that I ate. Right.
0: Right. It goes back to those pleasures we haven't practiced.
2: Yeah, Yeah. I'm pretty well practiced at it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, let's go to you, Emma, and give you some time to talk about your moves and what it looks like for you as a nine. Okay. So let's remind people what a nine, what what that number is. So nine is the peacemaker or the mediator. And as a nine, we, because we share this number so we can talk about it interchangeably, we hate conflict. And the reason we hate conflict is because for us, conflict means we're losing connection with the people we love. And we don't know innately how to do those two things well, to be connected and be in conflict. So we just avoid the conflict and that makes it easier for everyone. And we also have an ability to see a lot of sides of, of people's ideas. Like we can see, we can hold multiple opinions at the same time. We can see both sides of an argument at the same time, which is that mediator part. And nines tend to have a really good sense of calm and empathy People enjoy being around nines a lot because there's just a lot of calmness that comes off of them. Because if you're running from conflict your whole life, you're pretty calm, and that's a nice place to be for people. But you can believe that it's your responsibility to keep that calm and keep that peace. So, if it's my responsibility to keep the peace, then I'm just going to go along and never be a problem. I'm never going to cause any fuss, and that way there's no conflict for me to have to deal with later. So. We can be sort of conflict avoidant. We can make that look sort of indecisive because if I don't make a decision and you guys decide for me, then I'm happy. And oh, by the way, I'm going to get on board with that decision and merge with you and everyone will be happy and that'll work great. Um, So we struggle to realize what we want and what we need and that those are important and then they're important enough to speak up about. So that's really how a nine looks. And so in a healthy place, we are those mediators. We we are so important um, in work and in nonprofits and in organizations because we can really hear everyone and come up with a solution that blends everyone's points of views together. And that is such a gift. In relationship, we are really, really focused on the connection and not losing it. And so that's hugely important in a relationship to have someone that that's their primary goal is staying connected. Um, the importance is realizing we matter. And realizing that we are important, not just because we go along, but because we're there. So when nines are, we're going to start with stress again, just because that's a place that's easier to start at. When nines are in stress and they're in their own number, so when we're struggling in our own nineness, we freeze. We just get too passive because no action feels like the safest place to go. So if I go left, that might get me in trouble. If I go right, that might get me in trouble. So I'm just going to stay right where I am. And no one's gonna move me. And that also can look stubborn. Um, And then we tend to also agree to things we don't really want to do. So we get so pulled into keeping the peace that we've now jumped into something that is really maybe too hard for us to merge into. Knives can merge like the best of them. Sometimes we've gotten on a bus that we really didn't wanna get on, and it's hard to get off, and it's even harder to stay on. And that's a really uncomfortable place for a mine that's not healthy. We also tend to become followers, and a really assertive person can come into that space with us and convince us to do things maybe that we wouldn't normally do or we're not going to be happy about later, and that can cause a lot of regret for nines, and we don't really like that feeling. And even inner conflict is not something we're really excited about feeling. So when a nine is in a stressful place, all of those things are going to happen in our number. But when that's just not working or that's not gonna get it done, or nothing's happening there, we're gonna travel to six. And six is our skeptic. Six is our person that's always looking for what could go wrong and planning for it and making a plan. And six is a very common place because there's a lot of sixes out there. So when a nine is in a sixes energy and they're barring those behaviors, it's gonna be familiar to a lot of people because there's a lot of people that have these kind of tendencies. So when we're in that place, and we're sinking in that sex energy. We get lost in our worries. Our brains are going 90 to nothing with all of the worst case things that could be happening and how we need to plan for them and what we're going to do if they happen. So we really get fixated on those worst case things. And that's not really where we live, but that's a lot of conflict. We also tend to be irritable and get defensive about what we're doing. So in a stressful situation, A nine is always making the choice that they think is going to keep the connection and keep the conflict low, keep connection high and conflict low. And so when someone comes in and they point out something that maybe they think was flawed or wasn't right, we get really defensive because we know our motives were connection and lack of conflict. And so we then get into conflict with someone about not wanting conflict. And that's not really a place that we're comfortable either. And when a nine is in a six energy, they don't merge. They just don't do it. And so they get real rigid. So I don't want to go with you and I don't want to get on board with what you want. So I'm again, I'm sort of just, nope, I'm going to stay right here and you're not going to move me and I'm not going to move until I want to move or until I feel safe enough to move. So we're reactive. We make mistakes. Um, this is a place where we also can see all of the things we haven't done. So in a stressful p- situation, Nines are not, we're, we're doers, but we're sort of doers at our own pace and we're doers that kind of everything is important at the same time because nines have trouble prioritizing. But when we go into a sixth place, suddenly everything we have not done is urgent and we are frantic around that. And it's, I have to do this or the world's going to stop spinning. And it gets a really, really, really frenetic type energy that nines don't normally have. And it, it's almost a panic. It's, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, and they start to say that over and over again, and they're doing a lot of things at the same time, so they make mistakes, and they overload overload themselves. Like, I just say yes to everything. Yep, 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 I'll do all that when we can't possibly do all that, so we set ourselves up to not do great, and so again, we're sinking. We go to six and swim. When we go to six for our betterment, when we go to six to help us in stress, We get a comfortability with an assertive voice that we don't normally have as nines. We are able to get vocal and stand up for what we think we need to do. And that is not a place that nines are normally at. So we're able to sort of say no and yes and back it up, which we could do in a normal place, but it's just easier not to. But we find this energy in a six that we don't normally have in a nine and we sort of decide what to do and we get really focused and we get to work really hard and we follow through and things get done and they get done well. And six, it has a lot of courage because they're always facing their fears and they're always dealing with their fears. And so when we're in that energy and we're swimming, we tap into that courage and that can push us out of our comfort zone to find new ways to do things and push through the uncomfortableness of doing it in that new way. And that's a great thing for a nine to experience. So when we're swimming, we take some of that skepticism and that learning and that deciding from a six, and we really empower ourselves to actually do a lot of action. And that's not really happening on a day-to-day basis with a nine. Um, mm-hmm. So it looks really powerful and it looks really strong. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, um, I can relate to all of that. <laughs> um I think some examples I was just thinking about as you're talking uh, work, work related, both in the sinking and the swimming as a six, I, I know that it's easy for me to go like when it's really stressful and, um, there's a lot going on and there's, I need to take on a lot of things. It's easy for me to say yes to everything. Mm -hmm. And then it doesn't go so well because I don't, I can't, you can't, one person can't possibly do everything all at once. Uh, I think I can. And so I try, um, not even just work related in general, in my life, when things get stressful, I want to do everything. I mean, oftentimes I want to do everything anyway, but especially in stressful times, I want to do everything and it's hard for me to say no. So I just say yes. And then I try to keep up with it and you can't possibly do that. Um, So that really resonated. And then, but when I'm swimming, when I'm swimming in a six, that I can get a lot done. Like you said, like I can, I can have a lot of those things that need to get, I can have a long to do list, but I can crank through it and I can be focused at that. And I think Mm -hmm. it's both in that state of stress as a six, I feel overwhelmed both whether I'm sinking or swimming, but the difference is whether I feel I take that overwhelm and put it into action, right. or try to just keep up with it and not not be as focused with it. I think maybe the focus, mm-hmm. like if I'm not as focused with it, I just try to do everything at once, try to say yes, try to just get through it. Uh, but if I'm focused with it, I can I can get a lot done and and be and that can be a very good thing. Right, um, but. I have to be careful in those in those spaces and be able to to say yes and to say no. Um, mm-hmm. And especially in those high stress situations, it's I constantly remind myself it's okay to say no. Mm-hmm. It's okay to I yeah even even when um, outside of work, like even just like hanging out with friends or hanging out with family or other obligations. And I know everything that's on my plate. And it's easy for me to say yes to everything, yeah. but then it doesn't go well uh, because mm-hmm. oftentimes I sacrifice time for myself mm-hmm. or time with Finn or time with another friend or family that I really remember that I really want to see. And so it's trying to find that balance and trying to keep the stressful situations in the swimming mm-hmm. and not the sinking and yes. yeah, trying to yeah, use the overwhelm
0: to be okay, to be good. Absolutely. And nines tend to say yes more than any other number because no is usually going to start a conflict. Right. We don't like that. So I always, um I, I often tell people that are nines, take a look at your calendar and I would be willing to bet that as a nine, you double and triple book yourself all the time because that's what nines do. I say yes to you, and then I not jot that down, and then someone else asks me to do something, and I say yes to them because I don't want to lose connection, and I don't want to say no and hurt your feelings, and how do I prioritize a a bar mitzvah over a, a birthday party? I don't know. They're both important to a nine because they're both related, and they're both connective, so I'm going to say yes to both, and then I'm going to be like, we're just going to figure out how to go to both, and they're at the same time, and they're across town, and then it all comes crashing down, so that is a very nine thing to do.
1: Especially Um, when you're in a relationship with a one and you're trying to do both of those things (laughs) and you can't do them right at the same time.
2: Well, and I, and I, maybe one of the things we talked about back on the first time we talked was you, you have our primary number, but we also have our wings. Mm -hmm. And I think I have a bit of a nine wing where we will both be like, well, we need to see these people and these people and these people and these people. And then pretty much we look and we're like, Oh, well, we don't have a free weekend for the next six months because we've divvied them out to everybody who's ever asked over the last six months to to see us. And so that's a, that's a place where, yeah, we don't, we don't say no. And, Mm -hmm. and she's bad about it and I'm bad about it. And then we get overwhelmed and buried in it. And
0: (laughs) yeah, I'm a nine. And so when people call me in this past few weeks, and like, when we get together, I'm like sometime in January, and, uh, okay, I guess we'll see you in January. I'm like, cause I can look at the calendar and I, and I've gotten better at not overbooking. So I can say that doesn't mean I don't feel bad about it. It doesn't mean that doesn't kill me inside a little bit, but I've learned if I overdo it, I'm going to pay for it later. And so it's just learning that behavior and recognizing and then getting comfortable with that, not saying no, but just telling you to wait. And that feels a little easier to a nine than just, well, n- never. Because I can look at my, you know, we don't get that fetus place. It's just, well, I, I, it's January 25th sound. And like, it's, you know, it's November 1st, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's where I'm booking. And I'm like, are you like an orthodontist? What's the problem here? So yeah, that's a lot of nine, a lot of nine. Yeah. Lot of six. Or, or
1: trying to find, I often try to find compromise. Like, okay, well, I can't spend like the entire weekend with you. Could we have a Zoom call date for a night and just catch up? And like, yeah, try, try to find balance. It doesn't mean I don't feel bad about now. Like I want to
0: spend the whole weekend with you, but... Yep. We love to compromise as nines. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's our gift. So, so let's talk about when you're in peace or in security. When things are going well, when there's not a big challenge, when there's not a deadline, when there's not conflict, um, you're really in a place of just ease. And so where nines go in that place is to three. And three is our achiever. Three is our just we're number one person. And I want you to pay attention to something about nines. Nines are the number on the Enneagram, and a lot of Enneagram experts say that their vice is sloth. Nines, and, and it doesn't mean that they're lazy. It, it doesn't mean they're slow. It just means there's a lot of inertia with the nines, with a nine. And so when we're going, we're going. So inertia is an object in motion continues in motion, an object rest stays at rest. That's a nine. So if I'm going, you gotta get out of my way because I'm gonna get a lot of stuff done and I'm going. But when I stop, please don't come to me and ask me to do something because the inertia it's gonna take for me to get this ball rolling again is a lot for me. And so what you're gonna see when we talk about these numbers that a nine goes to, I think are so lovely because a nine that's swimming in a six is getting stuff done and a nine that's excelling and swimming in a three is getting stuff done. And that is a really beautiful thing that doesn't happen in all of the numbers. But it's something that's so innate in that nine is that for us getting enough strength and enough yes and enough push to actually really, really, really get going is hard. And it's something that nines are different places on the scale about that. But we are going to see in both of these travel places, when we're swimming, we're getting stuff done. And I just think that's a gorgeous way to, to really see how these numbers relate. So let's talk about that three. When a nine goes to a three and they're swimming, they are achieving, they really, really get excited about their goals. And they really, really start to decide, what are my goals? And for the first time, sometimes a nine will look and say, how is this goal about me? How is this goal something that actually might be something I'm passionate about just for me? And they step into this place of self-development. They step into this place of what do I want to learn? What do I want to become? What would make my life fuller for no other reason than just for me? And they actually get the energy to start that. They actually get the energy to get a ball rolling just for them. And that's really different for a nine but they can accomplish a lot and they they get confident and they know what they're good at and they can speak that to others and they feel really comfortable in that place and they lead. And nines are great leaders because they can see all these sides. So if they can access a three's energy and lead, they're fantastic at it because not only do they lead, but they connect. And that really is true leadership. A boss can boss. A leader inspires. And nines have a way of connecting with people that inspires them. And it makes them want to follow them. And that's a powerful place. And so they then can share what they know. And they share what they've learned. And they share the stuff that's inside that's just about them with other people. And that's really, really powerful for a nine that's in a peaceful or a secure place. In peace and security when they're not swimming. So we're sinking in peace. Which I will say is more common in nine because for a nine to be in a peaceful place, the cost of getting going, the cost, like when things are good, it's almost like we sort of go, if I move an inch, I'm going to mess this up. And so we want peace so much. It's our number one want and longing is peace, internal peace, external peace. So when we get to a place that feels that way, it's like we're sort of going, wait, 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 nobody move, nobody move, nobody moves. We're in that place. So it's kind of easy to sink for nines when things are really going well. And when that happens, they sort of get busy because they sort of have this energy about actually having peace, but they don't really do anything productive. So they get busy doing nothing. They, they take on a lot of stuff and they're like, I'll do that, I'll do that. And they kind of, like I said, we look sort of like the six, but it's nothing really great. It's busy work. It's you know, I'll dust that. I'll walk your dog. I mean it's it's not anything that's gonna move the needle for them, but it's it's active. They're doing stuff, but they're not doing anything that really matters.
1: So you and, feel like you're checking things off the to-do list, but you aren't really. Yeah.
0: yeah. Because again, they're low cost. You busy work is low cost. It's really hard to start World War Three, you know, driving to get gas. That's as a check mark. It's not a big. There's not a lot of urgency there. We're not going to change the world there. So I'll do that. Yeah, get, I'll fill the car up with gas. I, I hope you know, There's a lot of that, but I'm not going to do things that I think could tip the peace. So I, I'm going to do a lot because again, we're, we, we nine's got energy. If in peace, we get energy because that's what we want. So when we're in a place where we want. We do have energy, but when we're sinking, we don't know what to do with it because we're scared, and so we just sort of do things that don't really matter. So we're we're burning it. We're not burning it for for our betterment or other people's betterments. And we also tend to get a little competitive in that space. So it's kind of funny because it's sort of like in that space where things are going well, we can sort of tap into, a, huh? I wonder what it'd feel like for me to win. I wonder what it'd feel like for me to lead. I wonder what it'd feel like for me to be first. And that's not a place that that nines are normally at. But when things are going well, again. If we decide to tip it, we can sometimes tip it to, huh, let's play Monopoly. And we were like to the death, like let's play till I beat you. And that's not really a place minds are comfortable. So they can get a little competitive and they can get a little defensive when they, you know, are in that place and they're not winning. So it's a, it's a place to kind of notice. If, if you see, a, a, especially for you, Finn, if you see Emma getting really competitive and things seem to be going well, and she's like, huh, this isn't normally the way you behave, do you notice this? Is this for fun? Or is this sort of, you don't know what to do with yourself. So, you know, I'm going to compete with you about something. They also, this is really the only place where nines want to be braggy is in this place of peace. Look at all the things I've done. Pay attention to me. Notice how good I am. Because for a nine, that's just not normally, there's no value in that you know, it doesn't keep the peace for me to you to tell me how great I am. Like we don't really need a lot of stroking. Threes need lots of stroking. Threes have a lot of image and they have a lot of be the best. And nines don't really have that normally, but when we are in really safe places, we sometimes tap into that. And it's like, we want a little, we want a little pat. We want a little, tell me how great I am. We start to sort of tell you how great we are if you're not telling me. So it's like, I'm wanting that from you. So I'm just going to go ahead and let you know all these things I did for you, where normally we wouldn't do that. We would just do it because it's connecting and I want it. If, if I start to want recognition, it's a place to ask questions um, because that's just not a really comfortable place for nines normally. So if you're like fishing for compliments, you know, that's that's a place to be curious. I, I, wait, do I have a lot of energy and things are good and I need to direct it and make choices to do something else? It's just curiosity. So with every behavior, when we see ourselves doing something that's not normally how we are, we can get curious. And that's a place for a nine. Um, That's an interesting place where it's just not normal that nines are notice me, compliment me, tell me I'm pretty. That's just not a real big place for nines. So when we get into that three place and we're just, we don't know what to do with ourselves. So we're sort of spiraling down. um, That can be a place that we start to show up that way.
1: Yep. (laughs) I was laughing, but, uh, or chuckling, but yes, I, I mean, everything you just said, so true. Um, and I don't even, there's so many examples. Uh, and I can totally, I understand that when you're, when you go to, when I go to a three and you sink or you swim, I, I do feel like I go, I more go to a three and sink. I can understand why that's more common. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easy for me to feel good and want to do a bunch of things, but like want to check things off my to-do list. But things on my to-do list are like, go get gas. And like, well, they're still important. We right. still need to get gas. They're not as important they may not be as important or may not be carry as much weight as the other things that need to get done. And so I tend to distract myself by doing all of the other things and feel like I can click things off my list when really the bigger things are not getting done. And so Mm -hmm. I have to try to do some of those things that still need to get done, like get gas, but also tackle the bigger, the bigger things that are really
0: meaningful on my to-do list. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, don't get caught in something is better than nothing. So that's kind of how nines will feel. It's like, well, I've got a list of all these things. And again, remember, as a nine, prioritization is not a super strong point. We have to work for that. Everything is just stuff to get done. So it's all laid out and there's not an A and a B and a C level. It's just stuff. And so when things are going well and there's no urgency that's being put on us, then it's just like, let's put these two things because they all look the same. And it's the two least productive things on the list, but it's still things on the list and it's still a check. It's something versus nothing, but we have to kind of work there. We have to work to say, okay, wait, I'm going to know this about myself and I'm going to reach to prioritize these things. What would be the most important to then? What would be the most important for work? And sometimes, again, like we're talking about when we're talking about this in terms of relationship. Ask for help. Hey, Finn, you know, sometimes when things are going well, I have a hard time deciding what's the most impactful way to spend my time. I've got these six things. Look at it and dialogue with me about what you think would really get me the most bang for my energy buck. That's great. That's I'm showing you how I see. I'm not asking you to change it. I'm asking you to come alongside me and help me with it. And that is such a connecting thing for partners to do for each other.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I had some questions along along those lines, but I like, of, of how to help support that, but also just some interesting things that I've noticed about Emma. So like a couple, like maybe examples that are maybe help make it like more concrete for people. So, so a conversation we have often, basically anytime we're going to go to dinner, if, which doesn't actually happen that often anymore, but if we're going to go out to eat, be like, well, what what would you like for dinner? Well, we could go get pizza, or we could get Mexican food, or we could get Chinese food. Well, yeah, I know, I know, we could do all of those. Which what, what one would you like? Well, we could go get pizza, or we could get Mexican, or we could get Chinese food. I'm like, yeah, I know, you just listed those a second ago, and and it'll be like that on repeat. And with that one, like that's a pretty easy one where I'm able to at that point be like, okay, well. I'm going to go over here and do something else. When you figure out what you want for dinner, let me know, and mm-hmm. we'll go get that thing for dinner. And that's not that I don't want to make the decision. It's just often I end up making the decision, and sometimes I'm just like, you pick.
1: Because like, often I just don't she care. She doesn't care,
2: right? She okay. never cares.
1: Right. Well, she'd rather you
0: choose than her merge.
2: Exactly, exactly.
0: She'd that.
2: Mm-hmm. And so then so- it'll get to the point where she's like, all right, well, I think we should go get Chinese food. Okay, great, let's do that. And then we'll be like sitting in the car, she'll be like... I could really go for some tacos. I'm like, okay, so you still haven't made the decision, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're still like literally driving there, still trying to pick between the three places. Um, so like that's, that's sort of how that shows up. And that's to your point of lists. Like she has a list. There's always lists. lists I would say
1: it's not just one. There's
2: lists of lists <laughs> and they all, yeah, they have all equal importance. And so when you said like, uh, as the, when she goes to the achiever and she starts doing stuff that's seemingly just to me, just stupid. I'm like, why, why are you wiping down the stove when you just told me all of these things that you're feeling behind on? And now you're, now you're wiping out the microwave. Like why, why now? And mm-hmm. like this actually happened yesterday. Like we had a lot going on and a lot of stuff needed to get done. And she's making banana bread. I was like, well, the bananas are going bad. I'm like, I don't care. Like <laughs> that was not even there was a actually
1: thing. another reason. It wasn't just the bananas. I was trying to be hospitable to family.
2: <laughs> Which was nice, a nice gesture, but so not needed. And so not a priority in the day, and the week we were having. And so that'll, that'll happen. Or we'll, yeah, we'll be in the middle of like a whole bunch of stuff. And she'll be like, Making muffins, and I'm like, "Why are you making muffins?" Like, oh well, I don't know. I'm like, "Well, I don't either." Like, why? I hell? wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I, and again, there is some element of just like, yeah, do something that makes you feel good. I don't have any problem with that, but it's hard when I hear like, I'm way behind on this and I'm way behind on that, and I'm going to be up till midnight doing this, that, and the other thing, and then like you're making muffins in the kitchen, and I'm like, right. I don't understand why we're doing that thing right now, but I. I so yeah, that it it almost seems more for me that that happens when it's a time of high stress and the lists mm-hmm. are so long that it's like well there's a thousand things on the list i'm just going to do something else and forget about the list for a little bit right. and i'll i'll do something that's not on the list but i still feel accomplished cuz hey look today i folded the laundry and i wiped down the counter and i did these, all these little things that don't even really need to be done. And I'm like, I told you I was going to do all of those. And that's when it bothered me. I'm like, I said, I would do all of this. So you don't have to, but
1: that's what it gets in with. I don't want him to feel like he's doing everything. And so
0: Mm -hmm. I don't know There's, there's, well, that really talks that what you guys are really highlighting is the shift of now you guys, what, what we're giving you is information Mm -hmm. and what it's up to you now to do is to create questions and language around it. So when you get an insight into how your partner sees and how your partner behaves and how your partner is comfortable and how they're uncomfortable, you as a as a couple, as partners, are going to start to develop the questions. Questions are the most important. I cannot stress that enough. Statements tell someone something. Questions learn from them. And so you're going to develop questions around that. So let's go back to the three choices for dinner. This is such a common thing for nines. It's like, I don't think I've had a single nine Enneagram session or couple session with someone that's a nine and not talked about the where to eat for dinner. So what I always tell people that are in partnership with nine is ask them, first of all, when you come to a nine, you're like, what do you want to do for dinner? And they come to you and they go, we can do A, B, or C. Immediately tell them, I care so much about what you want and I want you to do the work to figure out what that is. So first, what don't you want? of that list, what's the one you don't want? What's the one that you're like, oh, I hope he doesn't pick, but you're not saying that. So, Because a lot of times for nines, it's easier, and for everyone, it's easier to access what we don't want than what we do want. So tap in there first. At least that makes it two, and that's always easier. And then you guys just create a fun language around that. I've had couples that flipped a coin. They get to two, and they flip a coin. And they're like, the quarter decides and then they're happy with that because the one that they didn't really want anyway, but they think you really like it. And they're like, I could go anyway if I had to. You've given them the freedom, but also you've told them that you care about them enough to let them let that one go. So then it becomes the two they really could go either way. And then you come up with however it works for you guys. But I always stress, if, if it's really backing someone to a corner to pick one they want, back them in a the corner to pick what they don't want. And then you probably will get more traction that way. So that's something I would suggest for you guys around that. The other parts, the list, the accomplishments, the what are you getting done, it becomes questions. Hey, Emma, I see you baking banana bread and I know you've got a lot on your plate. Are you baking the banana bread to feel like you don't have to face this? And if that's, that's what you want to do, I get it. I just want to understand more. And I want to make sure that if there's a way I can support you in some of these harder, more heavy things that I am. Because I don't care if you make a man of bread. This is your list. But I want to be a partner to you. And I want to be able to support you. So I see you doing A. I heard you saying B. And they don't really align. And so I'm going to ask you about the behavior. Don't go what well, you said. That's the words. Don't care what she's doing. That's why Enneagram's about behavior. Because behavior is observable. And you can see it. And it's really hard to argue. Because even what we said, we could kind of get into the nuances of what I meant and all that. But if you're baking banana bread, you're baking banana bread. I'm not coming in and saying, you're solving calculus problems. No, you're baking banana bread. So behavior is neutral. You're doing this. And I'm not saying it's bad or good, but I see you doing it. And I remember you you expressing to me this, and that doesn't really line up. Is there something going on? Can I help? Do you need me? Or are you just choosing this? Okay. That's the language I want you guys to take from this. I want you to develop questions, observe, ask, that's your homework. I'm going to start to observe this and I'm going to start to ask. And I'm giving you some things that you didn't know before that can sort of start to sink into your brain and go, oh, now I see a pattern. Because remember I said, we tend to show up the same ways. So what she did a year ago in stress, she's probably still going to kind of do that same thing. It's just starting to see, Oh, well, when she's stressed out, she does this. When things are calm, she does this. And it, it sort of narrows it to a set of behaviors. And like I said, we don't go to all the numbers. We go to two and we pick up behaviors from there. You know, Emma is not going to go to four and get sad and get melancholy and get in the dumps the way that you will. It, it's just not her way. We all feel and we all have tendencies from all of these behaviors, but we're not going to go to those. So we have things we go to and you start to see patterns and you start to be able to ask questions around those patterns. And that's a huge relationship help.
2: Yeah. I think that's really helpful. I think, you know, one of the things and I, Emma kind of touched on it there where she said, like I start doing the things and then she feels like I'm doing everything that. So maybe like explaining that, that
1: I don't want you to feel like you're doing everything.
2: No, no. I I hear you. But what happens is, is really kind of a a difficult cycle, which is I see, I see the lists. And for me, it's really easy to prioritize a list. Mm -hmm. And so I see her, I see her list of a hundred things and I'm like, well, I know what the one, my, my, what I feel is the one she should be working on or the top two or three. And then I go, give me these other 90 I'll take them away from you and I will go do those so you can you can be in a place where you have now three things on your list. But I've sort of made the decision like you don't need to worry about the laundry today, you don't need to worry about cutting the grass or the whatever, all the stupid stuff. So like give me give me 90 of the 100 and you now have a list of 10, those are your important ones. You go do those. I'll do the other 90 and I'll I'll do them right. You know, but it doesn't matter. That's not even the reason I'm taking them. It's right. just I'm doing this to like help her get to a place of not being overwhelmed and almost trying to help with the decision making. Like, hey, I took and and we've had this conversation. Like, I'll say, like, look, Emma, I took everything off of your plate today. I went to the grocery store. I went to the drugstore. I went and did every single thing. And you had one thing to do. And like, that's not really fair to do to her. But Mm -hmm. it's like, for me, I look at a list. I'm like, Oh, well, if I can just take the whole list away and leave her one or two things, like she won't have any reason not to do those. And that's when I come home and she's baking muffins. And I'm like, damn it. Like I took, I took 90 of them. You had two and now you're doing one that's not even on the list. Like then we, then it's a frustration. Then it's, we go into this place of like,
1: well, and that's yeah. not you You saying that you're taking the 90. It's not fair to me because I want like it's a lot of times I want to do all of those things too. And so it's, I, and I, I, I want to find ways to work to, together on these things. Like I don't, I don't want um, one of us to carry, to carry the burden of, of all of like the daily tasks. Like some days is it more me? Yes. Some days, is it more Finn? Yes. It depends on, on the day. And so at least like normal household type things, like going to the grocery store, going to the drugstore, that type of stuff, laundry. Um, I think in,
2: yeah, I pick those examples, just like for anyone listening, like we actually split household chores very well. Like that's usually not even an issue. Like that's mm-hmm. Not something we ever really fight about. No. It's just an example of right. those things are on the list. And a lot of times I'll take them off the list and sometimes she'll take them off the list. Like it's not we fighting about domestic chores is not something we typically.
1: No. And do. that's what I was going to say is like normally most of the time we do split those pretty 50 50. So that's not that's not an that's not a um, something that can cause too many issues between us, but it is like some days. Yeah. I do need some days. I do need you to take that. Let's say there's 10 things. Some days I do need you to take eight of them and other days I don't. Mm. And, and maybe that's, you know, if I'm feeling really stressed, I do need him to take those. But if I'm not, and I'm feeling good and I know I can click through the things that I really need to do. And, and either if that's uh, swimming in a six, or swimming in a three you you're feeling really good in a nine, like I can do those things. And, but knowing when he can, I can ask for help too, when I know I need it. Um,
0: And what I hear is I think where you guys can develop some tools and some language and some skills is asking versus telling or helping with, with a plan. So if you see, Again, we're going to use these words a lot. When you see your partner doing for what you guys just said, she's got a list of mile long and you decide, I'm going to take these eight things to help you. Again, it's to help. It's this. We are the basic assumption is we are here to support each other and we have the best of intentions. So that's absolutely the truth. But when we decide versus ask, we tend to sort of, I'm going to help you. So I'm going to do these things for you. And sometimes. Again, I want you to also think that a nine doesn't really feel angry. We don't access being frustrated or angry or disappointed. Those are really scary emotions for us. So we don't really have a good handle on them, but we sort of like to be passive aggressive. And so sometimes when you do something that I don't really want you to do, subconsciously I go, okay, great. I'm going to bake muffins because that would be an on my list. And I just want to do that. And it's like a sabotagey type thing without being direct. So the direct thing would say, no, I want to do those things, but you know what? You could help me do this. and You can help me do that. Nine struggle with that. We don't like to ask people to do things for us because what if they say no? What if they don't want to? What if they do them and they really didn't want to do them and now they feel bad and, oh, I don't want them to do something for me and then see all that spiraling? So there's a lot of places to learn there, but the first place is where I always go, which is ask, be curious. You know, what could I take off the list that you would feel good giving me and I would feel good doing and that would help you solve your problems and would help you with your goals. And then it's her deciding and not you deciding because at the end, again, think it's hard for nines to decide. And we, if we're stressful and someone assertive like a one comes into the room and goes, you know what's right, doing this. Okay, but if I don't like it, It's going to leak out some other place and that's not going to be good. So we got to be really conscientious and curious. That is the secret to this. It's, I see this, what can I do? Not, I see this, let me help you. And this is what I think is best. And that allows Emma to have some agency, which she's got to reach for anyway. So you're helping her because she's actually having to step up and say, you know what, I want to do this, this, and this. To leave it with me. And then if you come back and she doesn't, then you can have a little bit deeper of a conversation because it's with her choice. But when you see things that aren't on the list, this is just a a little tip, things that were never on the list and you take stuff off the list and you come back and she's just doing those things, I might feel like there's a little passive aggressiveness happening there because it's almost a way to dig at you without being direct and saying, why did you do that? I really wanted to accomplish those things and you took them from me and that felt bad. That sentence, that's tough for a nine to come up with. But bacon muffins, when that wasn't even on the list, I can do that. And then I also get to still feel, feel like, well, I made you muffins, so I love you. And that thing versus conflict. So curiosity, asking questions, finding out what's happening underneath what you see. That's what we're really using this behavior for. I see you doing this. Tell me what's happening where I can't see. Tell me what's happening underneath, because that's what I want to know. And that's super important and super, super, super helpful, which is really what we want to do.
2: Yeah. And I think that's probably where I, I have the work to do is getting better at, at asking those questions and not doing it in a leading way. Cause you know, the, the flip side of this too is uh, when we, you know, Emma wants to feel useful and productive, just like all of us do. And so she'll take stuff and put it on the list. And when that happens, I'm like, Oh God, it's on the list. It's actually never going to get done. So like, I have to then like resolve that that thing is just like lost in the list. Mm -hmm. And, (laughs) and it's like, and it's not everything, but that
1: has, (laughs) I I know, I know.
2: And so you're like, and then, but then it's like, Hey, what about that thing that went on the list a year ago? And it's like, I told you I'm going to work on that and let me work. And then she'll work on it for like an hour and be like, see, Mm -hmm. I'm making progress. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, right. Yes. But, but you worked on it for an hour and now you're on to the next thing on your list. And that one's still not off the list and the list is just getting longer. And so, yeah, finding ways to like navigate that is I think where the, the work is.
1: Well, and something occurred to me too, as you were saying, like, it is hard. I don't, I don't necessarily like asking for help uh, either, but Finn doesn't either. And so because for him, it's a right and wrong way. Right. For me, it's like, I want to do everything. I think I can. And like, I, I want to contribute. I want to do all of these things. So both of us struggle for different reasons for us ask, with asking for help. And I think yeah. sometimes right. I am. Yeah.
2: I am and afraid I'll... it's going on the list and never coming off. <laughs> that is also a part right. of the reason. Right.
1: But that's where you can Absolutely. help me
0: prioritize. <laughs> and also, feel, I'll give you guys an example from me as a nine. So this will be not personal for you. So you can look at it objectively. So this happened yesterday. So it's real fresh. So my husband gave me a beautiful piece of art that I picked out when we were on a trip um, to New Orleans in 2020. So my birthday is in October of 2020. So we're talking about 13 months ago. And so I, it was a gorgeous canvas that a local artist had painted and I just loved it. It's big and beautiful. And I, he bought it for me and it's written on the back and it's been sitting in our corner of our room for 13 months. And so he came to me and he said, you got going to get that framed? Oh, absolutely. It's on the list. I'm going to take it to get it framed. And it was, it's on the list. I was like, yeah, at some point I'll go to the art place, but it's not convenient and it's out of the way. And then plus at 3.30 and blah, blah, blah. List, reason after reason after reason to not do it. So what he did was he came to me, and said, I'm going to take the art to the art place, the frame shop. Absolutely not. You're not because it's my list. And for me to give it to you means I failed. And what does that mean? You're thinking about me and you might be resentful of me for having to do something that was on my list. So that makes it even harder for me to get it off the list. And so it was, okay, well then take it today. So he sort of put it in either, let me help you. Or move it all the way up in the priority scale to get it done. Guess where they the art is? It's at the frame shop. Because for me, that way, either I'm gonna do it for you and not out of meanness. It's it's your art, but I love you and I I want it to be displayed because I bought it for you, or move it way up in priority. And I was able to make that choice. I want to do it. So guess what? It's gone, it's there. And those sort of interactions help him not to be frustrated and help me to decide how is that a priority for me? Because I didn't want to let him do it. I wanted to do it. I wanted to pick it. I wanted to be involved, like you said. And that it was on my list because I wanted to do it. And so I was able to. But he helped me realize that it needs to move up in priority for us. It was important to our relationship, which is its own thing, that he saw it framed and that he knew I loved it and that it felt good to him too. There's an example of Help me prioritize and give me a why. Because you just thinking, Finn, that it's just important, okay, tell me why. Again, questions are our friends. You know, if it's important to you, it's important to the relationship. But but Emma's got to know it's important to you. And I tell you this with all certainty as a nine, that will drastically move that up the list of priority for her. If it means a lot to you, if it's important to help you, if it can mean something to your relationship, it's going to suddenly start to glow a little different on that list and it's going to jump out to her and it'll get done. But it's getting more information, not just, well, I'm tired of seeing this on your list, so I'm going to take it from you. That's different. Um, it really matters to me because I love this and I want to see it hung in your room because I gave it to you and it means something to me. That feels so different when it lands on me and it spurs me to action and it spurs me to speak up and say, no, I'm going to do it and actually get it done. So that's just an example for you guys of the difference between telling and deciding and explaining and getting more information. And then it, it moves me. I mean, made me do it. It's 13 months, now it's gone. And so I just needed, sometimes we just need a little help. We need a little knowledge from our partners to know We don't know that it's not important to you guys, too. We don't know that you're not seeing it all as just stuff that gets done, but you're actually saying, gosh, when she gets to number three, I'm going to be so happy, and she's never getting to number three, and that makes me feel bad, but we don't know. So getting curious is going to get that data that we just can't get otherwise.
1: Yeah.
2: Why has it got to be so complicated?
0: (laughs) (laughs) who
1: knew like we're all humans that are so complicated and then add relationships and then add multiple relationships and
2: well and and even with that example so like for me what I would struggle with is I'm going to now tell you what I think is a higher priority and you're going to agree because you're a nine like oh you're right exactly the frame is the most important thing in the world until the frame is done and then you're like actually it wasn't Uh, this other thing was actually the most important and now I'm behind on it and now that trickles down into, oh, well now you can't do this out of the other thing that we were planning to do because you're behind because I made you feel like the frame was the most important thing. And I could have done the frame thing for you and not put you behind. and And that's sort of the cycle I get in is like, well, I'll take all these things away so you don't get further behind and we can continue doing the things that we wanted to do to begin with. And I get that it's disempowering and disenfranchising, but it's, I think then it's like going back to the list and being like, why is the list so damn long to begin with? True, true.
0: And I think what you're talking about right there is a different thing than Enneagram, but still a really important relationship idea. And it's this area of responsibility. Mm -hmm. And so when you say to Emma, it's really important to me that you do number three on the list and she chooses to do three. You have to trust her taking responsibility for that. And whatever happens afterwards, it's it's who owns this. And so many times in relationships, up here in our heads, we sort of take ownership for things that aren't really ours. And so if she said yes to the frame and it put her behind on something that was a deadline at work, she chose. And you couldn't possibly know known that without her stepping into her value and telling you, this is more important right now. And I promise you, I'll get to that because you matter too. That's her. And so there's some personal responsibility. You know, sometimes I with the Enneagram. It's not magic. It's a tool. And if I'm not skilled in my relationship, if I'm not trying to be skilled, if I'm not working towards being skilled, which you guys obviously are, if I'm not trying to grow and get stronger, I don't really need a tool. You know, I don't need another tool if I am terrible at this anyway, because then I'm just terrible with another tool and that might even be a little dangerous. But if I'm really working to connect, if I'm really working to know myself and love myself and accept myself, and then from there, maybe better myself, and that's the same thing I want for my relationship, then one of the tools we have to have is some sense of, I'm responsible at the end of the day for my choices and my feelings about those choices. And I want you to be my partner, but I'm not going to hand that over to you. And on the other side of that, You are responsible for your choices and your emotions. And as your partner, I want to help you. But helping you doesn't mean I now take responsibility for that for you too. So that piece has to come with this tool. Because otherwise, again, like we said at the beginning, it just becomes an excuse. Well, you know I'm a nine on the Enneagram and you know I can't prioritize and you know I make a lot of lists. So what do you expect? That's not helpful. But hey, you know I'm a nine on the Enneagram and you know I make a lot of lists. And I've made a decision from a healthy place. They don't want to pare some of those things down. And I want to make them more manageable and more actionable. And I want to tap into some energy to get that done. Can you help me? That's a tool. Yeah.
1: Well.
2: I guess we're not perfect after all. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah boring. This... We're all ones. We'd just be so boring. We need all of our numbers to, to add some wrongness and some incorrect so right? It. Right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
2: She just said ones are boring. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree with that. But
0: we need what? we need all the numbers. Yeah, we, we need do. all the numbers. We do. We need all of the numbers. That's what makes our world really interesting and really great. And it yeah. helps us. It's, it's really knowing all the numbers. And yeah. when we know, we instantly have more empathy and compassion. And so that's something that's an amazing door that knowledge opens. Mm-hmm. It, it lets us access that, oh now I understand. Now I get it. And then I'm not so judgmental and I'm not so harsh, but I can be more accepting and more compassionate. And that's that's just one of the biggest gifts we can give ourselves and the people we're in relationship with, all our relationships, um, not just our primary partners, but our secondary partners, our friendships, our family relationships, our coworkers, all of those things matter. And they can all really be bettered um, by just being curious and learning more about each other
1: hmm Yeah, it's not just romantic relationships. That's, yeah, it's relationships yeah. in general, like and in all people.
0: Yeah.
1: I was
2: just going to say that the, I guess the perfect polycule would be a nine-person polycule with each number represented once, and that yeah. that's your, that's it? That's <laughs> the or,
0: or a lot of the same number, because then you would just be like running into each other, but you would know what you were thinking, and we'd all see the same way, and so we'd be really on track that way. So yeah, those are probably the two best. So maybe nine of the same number or nine, if we're going with nine, nine of all the other numbers. <laughs> <laughs> all
2: right. We got some work to do, Emma.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> need to make some more connections. Yeah, oh boy.
2: <laughs> well, thank you, Kelsey, for all of your time today. And, and just in doing this with us, I think, you know, we're excited for ourselves in, in a little selfish of a way, like we've gotten a lot out of this, but hopefully people listening can, um, translate this to their own and also apply to be in our polycule, depending on what their numbers are.
0: <laughs> I mean, if you're a, a two, three, four, five, six or seven or eight, but yes, they can apply. Yeah. And absolutely. And if anybody that's listening just wants to do a deeper dive for themselves or for their yeah. relationship, I can do this absolutely, and I'm happy to, and do do this professionally with people all the time. And um, there'll be a link that you guys have um, in the show notes about the Enneagram experience with me. And that's just um, a really deep dive. It can be an individual or a couple, and where we type, I type you. I come up, help you come up with what your number is and then give you a lot of information, a lot of questions, a lot of resources for you just to be yourself. And then of course, if your partner wants to participate, just a lot of what we're doing together today and what people have heard, um, but really drilling down on their specific number, but also their specific examples in their life and what they need um, tips and tools and resources around. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: and so this is a lot of what somebody could expect if they were to work with you similar to what we are. I mean, we're, we we kind of wanted to design this as the same experience that somebody would get if they if they sought you out. Yeah, it?
0: absolutely, absolutely. These past two podcasts, other than just the overview about all the numbers, which we wouldn't do, um, it really is an example of what um, a relationship coaching and an enneagram would look like. So we're going to talk about each of you. We're going to let you witness that around the other person. So really, really get to learn more about that person through the enneagram lens. And then as a couple, we're going to talk about your stress and security numbers. We're going to talk about your center of intelligence. We'll talk about a lot of things that we just can't get to even in these few podcasts um, that just allow you to know more about yourself and share more about yourself with the person that you love in our relationship with.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, links to the expansive connection website and the offerings to book that with you are all on our website. And we got one more of these. And we have one more. Yes. Stay tuned. There's going to be another, a third one coming and we, we, We haven't obviously recorded that one yet, but we're excited to and excited to get that one out. So thank you again, Kelsey, for this time. I know this has been a long discussion, um, but it's been valuable for both of us and hopefully valuable for the listeners as well.
0: Me, I hope so too. It's been a lot of fun and you guys have been great sports about it. So I appreciate it.
2: Yeah. Thank you. And have a fantastic day.
0: You too. Thanks.
1: And we're back. A huge thank you, as always, to Kelsia for coming on the show and for the amazing work that you do with the Enneagram. Finn and I learned so much, and thanks. Thank you all for sticking with this episode. We know it was a little longer, uh, but yeah, it was super valuable to all of us.
2: Hopefully, you were on the edge of your seats. Hopefully. I mean, who knew what was how that ending was coming?
1: <laughs> you never know.
2: <laughs> Surprise ending.
1: Yeah, if you're. <laughs> If you're interested in also working with Kelsia, you can use the links in the show notes to go sign up. She has an Enneagram experience where um, she she will work with you to figure out which type you are, which number you are, and then she will also do a 90-minute coaching session with you. If you want to book further coaching sessions, you can do that as well. Use the links in the show notes so that it lets her know that we sent you as well as supports the show.
2: Yes, so Uh, Thank you for doing that. Thank you for listening. And we will see you next Friday for part three, the grand finale. And between then, we'll have a regular Wednesday episode. Yes.
1: And if you don't want to wait to sign up, or if you don't want to wait to listen to episode three or part three, you can go sign up for our Patreon community and you can get access to all three of these episodes right now.
2: I don't want to give any spoilers away, but part three, crazy.
1: Crazy. (laughs) I
2: mean, you don't want to (laughs) wait. Like yeah. to think that you're gonna wait a whole week. Good luck. Yeah, you're, it's an,
1: another awesome conversation. You might make
2: it a couple hours, but you're not gonna make you're not gonna make it a whole week.
1: Right, you're really selling this.
2: I'm trying. Yeah,
1: yeah. Anyway, <laughs> thank you, Kelsey. Over, over
2: promise, under deliver. That's right. how that saying goes.
1: <laughs> thank you, Kelsey, and thank you everyone for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your week.
2: Yes. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs> I don't know. I was waiting for you
1: already said that though <laughs> i just said it differently and then i realized
2: that <laughs> well what are okay. you gonna do now this is staying in so what are you gonna how are you gonna recover
1: <laughs> bye everyone thanks for listening